Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Goodbye January, hello February, and welcome to another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, the lovely, the talented general contractor, Donnie Blanchard. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. How about yourself today? I'm just trying to get used to the weather we just had the past month. Because you think January gave us back-to-back-to-back weekends of snow and ice and winter precipitation. And then we jump into February and we had some 70-degree days. And I'm just ready for spring. And if you're ready for spring, you're going to like the Carolina Contractor Show because we talk about your house. And when it comes to nicer weather, that's when you want to do things. Maybe it's fix something at your house or add something or just get your yard ready to start off a new growing season or a new grill. We've talked about that. Swimming pools, garages. It's much easier to go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, and find out all the subjects and topics we've hit on. We've got them in podcast form, so you can scroll them and listen to them in your own time. We've also got a feature called Ask the Contractor. We've had this for a couple of years, and it's a button right at the top of the website, and it says Ask the Contractor. When you click on it, it gives you an opportunity to ask Donnie, the general contractor of the show, a question about your house. Now, Donnie's forte is roofs with SureTop Roofing, but he's built houses, so he knows a lot about them. It doesn't matter if it's the inside or the outside or or something not even directly related to your house. Like I said, we've talked about swimming pools and barbecue grills and power tools and things like that. So click on that Ask the Contractor button, submit your question to Donnie. And what we've done with that feature is now we take questions and we answer them in the studio, but we post the video of them up on the YouTube site, which you can also find a link for at the website. We have uh, Facebook. We've got Instagram accounts. So if you want to contact or connect with me or Donnie more directly, you can do that. And just a bunch of stuff all at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. But today's subject is going to be about things you may have done differently now that you've lived in your house for a while. For the most part, if you build a house from scratch, from the ground up, you may have thought, hey, I want to have this size bedroom or this many bathrooms, or I want to have this architectural style. And now that you've lived there, you may say, "Mm, I should have done this differently. Or you may have bought a house and done some remodeling. And now that you've had it a while, you're like, "Hmm, maybe I would have done that differently, or I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have picked that purple orange paint color for the living room. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And Donnie's going to lead this off. We did a show on the ideal build or the things that I would recommend, you know, for somebody starting from scratch, but that wasn't me nine or 10 years ago when we built our house. So this is a chance for me to be transparent with the audience here. And um, I'll say that one thing that I did right, and, and so I wouldn't do this different, but we faced our house towards the southwest. We have a pretty big lot and we basically had uh, a wide open uh, range for which way we could face our house. So we faced southwest. And the reason that's important is in the summertime, your HVAC really struggles to cool your house down when the sun sets in the west. If you can imagine a scenario where the sun comes up in the morning and of course it's a 30 degree sometimes temperature swing between the morning and the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. the sun on the east side of your house with the ambient temperature being say 60, 65 in the morning, you know, that's not near as bad on the house as when the temperature is 95 at the end of the day and it's blaring on that west side of your house. So the way we offset this was we put our garage on that side of the house and we over-insulated our garage. So mm-hmm. uh, we did insulated garage doors. We really ramped up the insulation in the walls and, of course, what's around the bonus room on the top of the garage. And it acts like a nice buffer. So it doesn't allow the house to absorb 
that heat that would normally be uh, absorbed and make the HVAC system work that much harder. Uh, another cool thing is our breakfast area is on the back of the house, so basically north northeast, and the breakfast area gets just about two or three hours of sunlight in the morning, which is really nice when you're having your breakfast. But uh, the deck is to the right of that, so in the evening, you know, after I'd say about two o'clock, the deck doesn't get any sun at all. So uh, in the actual months that you can enjoy your deck and be outside, you know, there's no sun there, so um, it makes it much more enjoyable. Well, then we've got the, the, the orientation done. Now we move the foundation. The worst investment I made with our foundation was right. a dungeon. <laughs> right. I thought it would be kind of cool, <laughs> but Nobody the cost, wants to go it's there. cold, it's damp, and, you know, <laughs> but you can't hear the people in it. So yeah, right. there, there's that. It, but let's does what it's serious, supposed though, to do. there's a lot of things you need to consider when yeah. putting in that foundation. Yeah, and I did say things that I would do different, so I'll start out with what I did. Um, we did precast basement walls, and... Prior to me building my house, my dad is a footing subcontractor, and I wasn't a fan of anything that didn't have a footing tied to a foundation wall. I just couldn't wrap my mind around uh, the technology. And the guy from the precast wall company said, well, hear me out here. And he explained uh, just how well they're insulated. They're virtually the most waterproof option for any type of basement wall. But um, the the way that he got me was he said that um, basically you put this 12-inch gravel bed and you use a tamp and compact the gravel where all the walls are going to sit. And the walls just sit right on that gravel bed, which is part of the drainage solution and why they're so waterproof. But he said that they adopted their technology from the railroad. So if you see railroad ties, they're usually on a big bed of gravel that's compacted that way. Yeah. And water just, it, it basically, um, you know, it, it can't uh, flood or anything like that because it, it's just so the, the drainage is just so superior. So. Um, but these are often called superior walls. I got mine from a company called Ideal Walls, and the reason was they were a little bit different than superior. They had a four-inch solid top and bottom cap where superior only had a two, and the corners were solid solid corners. And in engineering, all the strength is in the corners. So if mm-hmm. you, know, you stand one wall up and you put another one perpendicular to it, you know the strength is where yeah. they tie in. So um, I really like that, and um, uh, I've had a lot of success. Never had any leaking problems out of the uh, the walls that we have. Just very low maintenance, and they hold heat and cool in. I'm, I basically opened up a supply line from the first floor, and I just dump positive pressure in there, so I don't have a return or anything in the basement. And it always stays a little cooler or a little warmer than the rest of the house. Staying on foundations, I'd say one problem people make when they build their house is that they make their porches too shallow. So a lot of people Explain do a, that. a five- or a six-foot porch. And if you think about the width of a rocking chair and then you're sitting in the rocking chair with your legs another foot or two out, you're basically right on the rail. And if you want to use that porch, I just recommend going at least six, but probably eight would be more comfortable. And um, you're only extending out the width and not the length. So just a little more concrete. We have the traditional small porch. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a wraparound, but it, like you, it's like four feet. And we have one of the swinging um, chairs mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is I keep it bungee to the rail because mm-hmm. when you swing in it, if you're not paying attention, you bang the side of the house. Right. So if we had a much wider porch, something six to eight feet, as you suggest, that would go away. All right, so let's move on to framing. A lot of people don't have direct say in this, but this is things you could actually make a list of and give to your builder and say, what do you think about these ideas? Right, yeah. If you do have say and your builder's uh, open to some of these changes, these are all structural changes. So these are the things that you need to do up front because this is something that can't be retrofitted later. One thing I would have done different in my house is I use two by six exterior walls, and we preach that because a lot of people bucket. They think a two by six is a big jump from a two by four, but I would have taken it a step further, and I would have went with a two by eight wall. And if you think about it, it's only the perimeter of your house, so you're not. It doesn't affect the interior walls. It's only the perimeter, and that two by eight literally gives you a hundred percent more insulation than a two by four wall. And I would say that 
cost of the lumber and the installation upgrades probably you know a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. And you're really going to see those savings on the back end on your utilities. Upfront investment yep. pays off. That's it. And I know we've commented on this a while back, but I did not build a chase from the attic all the way to the basement. And could I do it over again, I would have probably at least dropped a three-inch pipe in a wall and at least had a PVC pipe going all the way to the attic and all the way down to the basement. Uh, the reason that's important is because, of course, technology changes all the time. And this will give you access from your uh, panel or electrical mm-hmm. or security system all the way up to the attic. And it basically connects the basement or the first floor to the second. Just make sure you cap it until you need it so That's critters it. don't crawl through yeah, it. Yeah, no glue on the cap. Mm-hmm. But um, another thing, I would have made my children's bedrooms bigger. Having uh, three children that, and accumulating what you do as a family, those rooms fill up a lot faster than you realize. And you know, a 10 by 12 room just doesn't cut it. And especially if you want your kid to stay at home as, as long as possible. And that room looks big when you have a little baby bed in yes, it. Yes, it does. But then when they grow up, which we found out when you feed your kids, yep. they grow up and you get a, a real bed for them, yep. all of a sudden the room is packed. Right. And uh, the next thing is a little unconventional, but um, my sister sent me something from Pinterest a while back that she wanted to do in her house. And basically, if you're familiar with the pocket door that recesses within a wall cavity, this house had basically uh, pocket style baby gates or pet gates. And so they would, uh, they're about three feet off the ground Mm -hmm. and you just slid those together. And when you didn't want to use it, you just slid it into the wall and you really didn't know it was there. So I think that's one of those things when the framing situation allows, it's just convenient and clean. Um, My garage doors were another thing. So a traditional garage door is about an eight by seven, and some people just don't know until it's too late. But um, we upgraded to a, say a nine by eight foot tall garage door. And could I do it over again? I would have done a ten foot wide by eight foot tall. The upgrade charges, you know, in hundreds and not thousands. And I have a big truck, so with the wide mirrors, I just have a hard time getting in my garage. But changing that during the framing phase is just one of those ways to eliminate that right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. In terms of the uh, envelope of the house, the zip systems, when you ride by a subdivision, you see the green walls and the brown roof. That's something that became popular. Advantech, of course, is the uh, they make that. Advantech is wonderful for the subfloor. Going that far, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Um, on paper, they work well, and I know a lot of people have, have had a lot of success with those, but the thing I don't like about those is it's a butt joint system. So where everything comes together, you tape all the joints, whereas a traditional framing package with exterior plywood, you'll have house wrap. And the way house wrap goes on and around windows, it's all positive laps instead of that butt joint alternative. Uh, should that tape come loose and you had a leak or a way for water to get behind a wall, you know, you're basically at the mercy of a, of a tape that was installed however many years before that. And mm-hmm. I just don't like the thought of that. I did nine foot ceilings downstairs on my house and eight foot ceilings up. And um, I'm going to come back to this later, but I wish I had done 10 foot ceilings and nine foot ceilings up top. Uh, the reason with the 10 foot is that eight foot doors on your first floor, I just think it's a nice look and mm-hmm. it just looks very grand and it changes the look of the whole house just for a minimal upgrade charge. We have saloon doors at our house. <laughs> I believe that. And it looks cool. <laughs> The laundry room. I put my laundry room downstairs, and um, I also lived in the house prior that had a laundry room upstairs, and I just kind of forgot how convenient that was. I mean, if you live upstairs and all the bedrooms are upstairs like ours, I think the laundry room upstairs just makes sense. I'm with you. Put it upstairs. Yep. Um, We we, we stumbled across something on accident where uh, we built a window seat under our master bedroom, and basically I looked down through the window uh, seat, and I'm thinking, the laundry room's right under here. So after we moved into the house, I cut about a 12 by 12 hole in the bottom of our window seat that we closed the lid and you can't see it. You don't know what's there, but it saves us a trip when we drop our clothes mm-hmm. off. You still have to march them back up the stairs in the baskets. But at the same time, it, the, a laundry chute, if you have a way to put that in, is a nice retrofit. His and her closets. After you're married for a while, you know, that just makes sense. And so 
uh, maybe figuring out in my floor plan if there were a way to divide our closets, that might have been a good idea. Uh, but I won't get into the details there. Um, a bigger mud room and a bigger laundry room. I think that a lot of people skimp on this. When you have a big dining room or you have a larger breakfast room and you just don't use it that much, mm-hmm. it makes sense to give that square footage to the rooms that you spend the most time in. So I just say that rooms that actually get used and function need a little more square footage than the rooms that you use on holidays, you know, Definitely. two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. So we're all going to eat in the laundry room. <laughs> Come on, Grandpa. Um, the roof, just uh, jumping from the frame to the roof. I did. Uh, I didn't know as much about shingles when we were picking ours out as I do now. But fast forward ten years, you know, I, I, the algae deterrent property of a lot of these shingles that are out now is an important thing. And I didn't know to ask the right questions. I just got them from the building supply, and this was pretty sure top roofing. So, um, no excuses. But uh, I, I'll, uh, ten years into it, I have algae growth on the north side of my house already. I like standing seam metal. Standing seam metal is just really expensive. It costs about triple or more than than what the architectural shingles are. In Mm -hmm. terms of bang for the buck now, the shingle warranties at 50 years, the Kynar or Valspar paint system on the metal is only about 40. And if you maintain that, you could get double out of that, but that's just what they'll warranty that for on paper. But probably go back and do this later, but I wish I had done a standing seam metal on my porch and maybe the returns, bird boxes, things like Mm -hmm. that, water tables, uh, would have looked better with standing seam metal. On the roof, I really don't, you know, that's about the only thing I would change. All right, how about the wind does? I wouldn't change the windows, and I'll tell you uh, what we did. Um, we did aluminum clad. We have a brick house, and, of course, if you do vinyl siding, uh, probably a more popular option to go vinyl in, vinyl out windows, meaning you know vinyl on the inside and out. Right. Um, and that just looks better together. But we splurged on the windows because I knew this was going to be my forever home. And um, the thing about the vinyl versus the aluminum clad is they have the same exact R value. So it's just the frame and the interior are different. And the aluminum clad, of course, you have to paint the inside because it's wood and uh, it's more maintenance. uh, But that aluminum clad looks really good with the brick. And um, I would say that uh, on the doors, fiberglass all of our exterior doors are fiberglass and you know 20 years ago this wasn't an option and now they have the nice wood grain fiberglass that will take a stain uh Mm -hmm. usually have to use a gel stain on something like that but um we i want to say i've done it twice in 10 years so i've had to restain our front door with more of a southern exposure um the important thing to do on doors is to always get a rot free jam so the part down at that has the weather exposure down near the ground if you look at a door you usually see that it has started to uh, break down, decompose, take on water, or just something that's usually a result of lack of maintenance. But you can get these rot-free jams now, uh, and and you don't ever have to worry about it again. Maybe just a little more paint every so often. Um, PVC brick mold. So the the trim member around an exterior door that you see from the outside is called brick mold. Um, PVC brick mold wasn't an option, you know, 20 years ago either, but now they have the PVC brick mold. And if all the house, all the trim on your house is white, that PVC brick mold falls right in there. Um, and back to the windows before I jump off of this, I just say that, you know, people put a big emphasis on natural light. And I think the people who like natural light and the energy efficiency folks probably lock horns because, you yeah. know, they say less windows. And, and I think that's true. What we tried to do is put less windows on the north side of our house. Okay. So, or where you lose the most heat on the north side. That makes sense because we've talked about, if, if you look around your house, whether it be a ceiling register or a floor register, HVAC contractors always put the registers in front of the windows because mm-hmm. that's where your heat loss and gain takes place. And so it does make sense to have windows where they look good cosmetically, but I wouldn't overdo it just for the sake of natural light. Well, this is the Carolina Contractor Show, and we're talking about things you would change since you've built your house or when you bought your house brand new. 
What things have you noticed over the years that you would change? Donnie's going mainly from his personal experience of his house. But let's move on to the acronym PME, Donnie. Let's <laughs> right. explain that. PME stands for Plumbing, Mechanical, and Electrical. And this is a very critical part of the building process. And you know, usually when your contractor, if he knows what he's doing, he's going to be all over every phase of this because uh, this is what's going inside the walls and you really don't get a chance without major surgery to change any of this stuff. But mm-hmm. I'll start out with the plumbing. I would do a tankless water heater. We talked about it on last week's show. Sure did. And I went from not a fan to uh, a fan because they are much more efficient than they used to be. And even if you only have propane as opposed to natural gas as your fuel source, I really feel like the the fact that you only have to fill up your propane tank twice a year, that's still not bad. wanted to throw in a, a side note on the tankless water heaters is that there's usually a top and a bottom compartment, and they're always mounted on the outside of the house. Well, the top compartment comes with a heat tape from the manufacturer around all the lines. Well, the bottom compartment is where your plumber actually runs the lines in and out of your house that feed into the tankless water heater, and they do not have heat tape. So uh, mm-hmm. there, I read several instances where these failed in Texas, and these people didn't have uh, the appropriate uh, insulation or heat tape on that bottom compartment there. So it's very important if you do have a tankless water heater or if you get one put in, ask the plumber to go ahead and put those heat strips or heat tape on the bottom compartment of the lines going in and out of the house because that will definitely freeze right. in a circumstance like we had a few weeks ago. Exactly. We did an 80-gallon water heater, and they don't really sell 80-gallon water heaters electric anymore, uh, but ours has been great. Um, three women in the house, you know, five people total, a lot of showers, and, and it's it's done what it was supposed to do. But I think when that water heater wears out, I'm going to go tankless all the way. On the plumbing, I would probably have put in a copper sink. We mentioned how the copper kills all the germs and viruses, and um, yep. you know, you're know you at your kitchen sink all the time. So we're probably going to retrofit that when I get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Being caught up doesn't sound like a, it's ever going to be a thing, but I guess that's a, a good thing. Shower basis. We've touched on this a, a few times because we've had a lot of questions where folks did a tile shower base, and of course the um, the membrane under the tile failed, and they had a big mess. And if it's a first floor shower unit, a lot of times you just don't know that until the floor is rotten around it. And yeah. so um, I always uh, we did a cultured marble base in our shower, but they also have other one piece options now. Ten years later, they've come out with so many other things. But definitely recommend, especially if it's a second floor unit, you know, use a solid shower base and just tile the walls, not the floor. We did one hot, cold hose bib. So our water heater placement in in the basement basically is down on the side where our driveway is. So we have a hose bib where we can have hot and cold right. water. And it's almost instant hot water because it's right there at the water heater. But um, I, yes. um, I put hose bibs all around the house. I think we have three total. And basically... Uh, whatever we have, whether it be garden, natural areas, we can get a hundred foot hose to any of that pretty easy. But you know, one hose bib just doesn't cut it, and it doesn't cost much to add a couple more. And moving right into the M for mechanical, um, I wouldn't have done anything different. My, I had a wonderful uh, system designer for my mechanical or my HVAC system, and we did a three stage unit, sort of like a car that only uses six cylinders when it gets on the interstate instead of eight because it just doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. My system doesn't need that complete tonnage of the system in the spring and the fall, so uh, I have a three stage unit that only uses what it needs, and not only that. We zoned our upstairs, so we have master suite, we have the girls' section, then Caleb has his own thermostat. So that always works nice because we all operate on separate schedules. Mm-hmm. The only thing I guess if I had to say I would have done anything different is I put my condenser units on the ground right outside of my master bedroom. Yep. And even if my master, my master bedroom is on the second floor, but I can hear those. It doesn't bother me. It almost puts me to sleep now. Mm-hmm. But could I do it over again, I would have moved those to another One spot. One of my friends moved into a new house mm-hmm. and his original house that he sold, they were on the other side of the house. His mm-hmm. new one, it's outside his window. And he said, Pretty I never sweet. even thought about it until the first night. And yeah. Went, 
man, I can hear that. But I told him, it's like living next to a train. You'll right. get used to it. That's it. Moving into the electrical, um, one thing that I did right on the electrical is I bought my electrical fixtures from a lighting supply house as opposed to a big box store. And the reason that was important is because, of course, I had bronze fixtures on the outside. All my coach lights were all bronze. Well, they started to peel, and they lost a finish. And because I bought them from a lighting store, they had better warranties than what the big box stores would have. So basically, I took them back to this nice. place. It's been there for 50 years. They said, no problem. They took those back, and they handled all the warranty things and gave me brand new lights to install. You really get what you pay for with light fixtures, and I recommend you know going ahead and spending the money on the higher-end stuff. Great idea. Um, I wouldn't have put phone jacks in, but I didn't know that at the time. And I think we the only thing you can really do with a house full of phone jacks is turn it into an intercom system. Mm-hmm. So at least you, you have an option there. That's what uh, we text for. That's right. I did not put outlets under every window on on the front elevation. I wish I had done that for Christmas lights only. And so now we may have a small extension cord and a candle in the window. And it's just one of those things that would have saved me a few hours every Christmas. Yeah. When we put up Christmas lights at our house, it's kind of like Christmas vacation. You got that power strip That's and you're it. like doubling and tripling and going, man, there, <laughs> it looks good, but there's a fire hazard. We need here. to put a picture of that on the website. <laughs> yeah. No, and, we don't. <laughs> it's somebody else's house, not mine. <laughs> this isn't a PME uh, category, but I would have put a central vacuum system in. We went all hardwood on the first floor because we knew we would have pets. And, you know, just having a vacuum right there on your baseboard that you can sweep things into would have been would have been advantageous, but we didn't do that. All right, let's talk about the stuff that keeps you warm in between the walls and, and top of your roof, yep. Donnie. Insulation. Insulation, I won't go uh, too far in depth on this, but I wish I had done spray foam. Uh, we were we were getting a family started and really just didn't have the money for the extra cost. And uh, I did something called flashing bats. So I did one inch of spray foam around the envelope. And, of course, I blew in my insulation in the attic and uh, we did bats underneath. The spray foam would have paid for itself down the road, and I just wish I had done that. One trick we did when we set our windows, and of course most insulation companies do this for by code now, but uh, when you set your windows, you do low expansion spray foam on the sides and the top of the windows. I did the uh, product that we've mentioned, Seal Seal. So mm-hmm. it's a foam, like a foam gasket seal that goes under the very first member of your framing and in between that and the foundation. And basically it's made to keep out insects and things like that. But I use that under the windows to get a seal on the bottom and had a lot of good results, hence the fact that uh, I'm somewhere around 40 cents a square foot on my utilities where I should be a buck to a buck 25. And um, the other thing with insulation, definitely worth investing in a high R value pull down stairs. If you do have a pull down stair unit to your attic, we have one that's an inch and a half thick, like a regular door. I want to say it has an R value of about 10, but Mm -hmm. you don't want to go with the thinner version uh, like they sell at the big box stores with a quarter inch Luon and no weather stripping at all, because you'll lose a lot on your heating and cooling that way. Now we can go to interior finishes. And if you have kids, you know that because I have crayon marks on the wall. (laughs) And and that's pretty normal. So one thing I would have done that I think you would have agreed is child-resistant painted walls. Yep, Yep. Sherwin-Williams has a uh, durations paint, and it's all washable. And we did that in our house, and, man, it's paid for itself over and over. We did not. (laughs) So I would definitely make that change. Yep. Um, On the interior finishes, another thing that I would have done is I would have uh, made our kitchen island. It it is big. It seats four people. But I find that even when we have uh, extended family over, that everybody congregates right around that island, whether you're just hanging out with the person that's cooking the food or, you know, the kids are up at the bar and you're just kind of helping the kids serve their food. So if I could add an extra two seats, I probably would have done that. Um, That's something we can always change in the future, but probably won't because I guess the kids, they may move away forever. Who knows? But um, I would have also uh, done a gas oven and a gas cooktop. I spend a lot of time there, sort of one of my secrets from working hard, 130 phone calls a day. And then uh, you go home and my pastor says he has an imaginary line on his driveway. When he mm-hmm. crosses that line, he basically turns it off. Well, I don't have that superpower. So mm-hmm. um, I picked up, you know, smoking meat and cooking a lot. And um, 
My secret is that I usually dive into a pretty complicated recipe, you know, four or five nights a week. And if I don't focus on what I'm cooking, I'll screw the food up. So yep. in focusing on the recipe, I kind of forget about the work day and it seems to work well. We all eat good and, and save a lot of money that way. Let's move to the exterior of the house real quick. Some of the highlights you would change on yep. yours maybe, Donnie. Yep. Um, we did five-inch seamless gutters. Uh, I would have totally done six had I known how much of the watershed came off of the, the roof that we have. We eventually got the gutter guy uh, back out, and we changed those out to six-inch gutters. But it's a dollar more per linear foot, and it doesn't affect the downspouts. So the drops are usually three-by-four anyway, and that's considered an oversized downspout. Three-by-four downspout uh, hypothetically will hold as much water as a fire hose. So mm-hmm. that's okay, but if if you have five inch gutters, you know the on your spec, I would definitely recommend the upgrade to the six. It's minimal. You're talking hundreds, not thousands, to do that. We did keystones on our bricks, so we have these keystones right above all of our windows on the front and side elevations. And what I didn't think about, and earlier in the show I mentioned, I would have done a ten foot ceiling down and a nine foot ceiling up. Uh, what happened was when our rafter rested on the top plate. And, of course, I have two-foot overhangs, so the overhangs extended out. And when you box that back to the house, I almost ran into a conflict with the top of the keystone because the keystone extends up about eight inches above Mm -hmm. the window. Uh, We did what's called a freeze board so that if you you get the fascia that the gutter's attached to, you've got the soffit, which is the underside of the overhang, and then the freeze board is usually a one-by-four or one-by-six. So we do have a slight conflict with the top of the keystone's and the freeze board in a couple of places, but you really have to know what you're looking for to see it. But had I went with those taller ceilings, that would have been uh, remedied from the get-go. That same problem uh, transpires with older houses because older houses all have the eight-foot ceilings. And of course, when your rafter hits that top plate, it extends out. And uh, when you box it back, like I mentioned before, in older houses, it was a conflict where the overhangs were almost touching the top of the windows. And I mm. always, uh, it always bothered me that there was no space between the top of the window and the boxing there. So, you know, if you're building a house, definitely go in with the higher ceilings. It's going to increase the cubic footage on the inside, you know, maybe a little harder to heat and cool. But if you build, if you do all the rest of the things and insulate it properly with the right HVAC unit, I think all that'll take care of itself. I want to know if If you, somebody listening, has something that they regret putting in or wish they could change, go to the Facebook site. You can find it easiest by hitting thecarolinacontractor.com. If you got pictures or something that you regret putting in or how you had it designed in your house or maybe a change you made, it'd be kind of cool to see stuff like that. Again, thecarolinacontractor.com. We will see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Your roof is the most important part of your home. Make sure you're protected with SureTop Roofing. We're locally owned, operated, and have proudly been serving the Triangle for the last decade. Plus, we offer a 50-year warranty on our shingles and 10 years on labor. If you're a veteran, ask us about our Roofs for Troops rebate program. Visit SureTopRoofing.com and listen to our weekly radio show at TheCarolinaContractor.com. SureTop Roofing, we've got you covered.